0: Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazara. And you're listening to Bandwives.
1: How's your day? did some writing earlier and lots of journaling and then a bunch of laundry. And, that, <laughs> and now we're going to the pool. So that's my day. What about yours?
0: Uh, we are in, oh, no, we're not in Houston. Uh, we're in <laughs> Dallas and we just flooded the backstage bathroom, my son and I, with the shower. So we're really, we're doing it over here. Regular core life swing. Yeah, we've been building Legos all morning and trying to avoid the heats. We were lucky enough to enjoy a river day yesterday. We went tubing. It's been a, it's been a fun little intro to, to being on the road.
1: That tubing looked amazing, and I want to go there and do that.
0: I couldn't believe how fun it was. It was so beautiful. I've never been to that venue before. Um, and they have this amazing campground next door with a water park and a playground. It was... Very cool. I guess it's only a year old. So
1: that is so cool. That hill country in Texas is what oh, was beautiful. I, my brother lived near there um, when I lived in Texas. And so I would visit and drive through all the time. I don't love like outdoorsy stuff that much,
0: but I do love the river life as long as there's not, you know, gators and the Florida river life, not so much. But
1: yeah. They have alligator gar in the rivers there. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a horribly ugly, massive fish with like a long jaw and big teeth, but they they don't really bother people.
0: I'm so happy I didn't know about that yesterday. (laughs) I asked them too. I said, are there any
1: large, scary creatures in this water? And they said no. And they lied to me. Well, I don't, they might not have gar there, but they probably do. But they like go to the bottom and they don't really bother people. But I've, I've seen a few. I saw a few in my time in Texas.
0: Water is scary.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So we are back this week. Uh, we're doing a little question and answering like we do and our mini sewed does. And today's question is very relevant. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Is it weird having fans not always see you as an individual aside from your husbands, despite having your own careers, goals, and education?
1: I think it's so weird that that's why we made this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> that question could have been the intro to this show. All right. I have a lot of thoughts. This is It's not like a simple answer. And I think there's, it's kind of can be answered twofold because in one way, the truth is it doesn't matter. Like it does. I'm myself and I am my whole self. (laughs) And regardless of how people see me who are fans of Taking Back Sunday or Adam's music, that it doesn't really affect me or it doesn't have to because we are doing our own thing. We're living our own life, you know, and and in the end, that's the truth of it. But the other side of that coin is obviously it's annoying (laughs) and it doesn't always feel great to be objectified or dehumanized when you're feeling invisible or when you are like when someone, <laughs> when you are, you know, like kind of being ignored, but at the same time, how often does that happen with fans? Not, not that often. And a lot of times I will like just step away anyway, if someone's approaching Adam and, and wants to talk with him because they're fans of his music and that's totally fine. They don't know who I am. <laughs> so why would they, you know, necessarily have any thing to say or interact with me? So that's fine. But what's been sometimes harder for me is like behind the scenes moments, um, like kind of like the the noise coming from inside the house kind of things. Mm-hmm. To me, that's been the more maybe frustrating experience. And again, and I say this all like it's fine and, it, and it's all it is what it is. But in that world backstage or in the venues or behind the scenes is when it can be like the boundary between life and work melds so much. And so it's like part of our life and we're there with him, you know, at a show say, and then you are feeling like some people find you to be in the way, particularly your children in the way, you know, or um, don't value you seemingly as much because you are not part of the crew or the work you know what I mean so it's like that that can happen but at the same time it's like there's a lot of factors because it isn't about me it isn't about you know what I mean it's about like the music and he's at work and I have my own (laughs) self-worth and I have my own projects and my own and my own life that in the end that's it doesn't always feel good and it can be really frustrating at times and it was much worse, but when we were first together and I was just kind of a girlfriend floating around, I felt, yeah. you know, like they were like, what do you need to be here? <laughs> and But it's, but it's changed obviously 14 years, 15 years together. And so it, a feeling is, has left mostly, I would say, you know, I don't, don't typically feel that way. And now when I meet band wives or girlfriends or partners, I'm very, much interested in introducing myself to them right away making them feel comfortable making them you know when I can or when it's relevant and because the world can be funny in the sense that you know self-importance is sometimes that there are bands who are seem feel that way and and they give off that vibe and you can feel kind of um, insecure or um, (laughs) uncomfortable but that's their thing you know just be that way and then You can just, you know, be nice and normal.
0: I think there's also a lot of the times I don't, sometimes I feel like it's really easy when you're meeting somebody in these tiny fragments of, you know, catering, or we're walking by each other by the bus. And introversion can sometimes come across as being like being a dick or, you know, just being like full of yourself or not wanting to bother with people. But it's been enlightening, for me to sort of like navigate with, you know, my husband, who's like, he's, he's a shy dude on tours where he doesn't really know anybody. He's like, not the first person to approach somebody new and say hello, not because he doesn't want to, just because, you know, he's nervous. And so I I think that's really so kind of you to, to be the active one to reach out because it's important. Otherwise people are just like ships in the night
1: pretending like we don't see each other every day and we're not in the same world, you know? I really like that point about like, oh, about introverts and everyone's different, like social levels, you know, of like wanting to put themselves out there. And at the same time, like no one owes me anything. The fans don't owe me anything. The people at tour, you know, so it's really just yeah. kind of a, you know, I like that point and that And that's a... My first go to though, is always
0: they hate me. Everybody hates me. Nobody wants to talk to me. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? It it never mattered. But there is a point in time where you you think to yourself, like, well, I want to be accepted. I want to be, you know, just a part of this thing and, and not feel like a nuisance. You never want to feel like you're in the way or there's a ton of misogyny, obviously, in certain places and certain industries. And But I found if you they see you enough, you start to develop relationships. And there's a really cool dynamic when you start to chip away at these old ways of doing things and teach people a different way, I guess. it's It's been weird for Claude and I because we we work together on a lot of projects and projects that are very intimately tied to the band. We, he has worked with multiple other writers in the past. And if they're at a convention sitting next to him, signing books, you know, there's this, there's this validation there that, well, I, you know, they deserve to be there. And at the beginning, people would just like run by me with the book or like, you know, it's, which is totally fine. You know, for the most part, these are people who are there because They love what Claudio does musically Um, and the books are kind of something they're like, oh, well, this is the only thing you have to sign or whatever. But I have noticed over time that the fan base has been so supportive and so kind and really like protective over the things that that we do together. And I'm really grateful for that because it's hard just as a writer to feel confident and feel comfortable in the things that you're doing. And then to just face this whole other wall of, of uncertainty, man, it chips away at the
1: self esteem. Yeah, it does, and I think maybe that's how you get to the point where you're like, doesn't matter. And to, and to say like the fans being protective, I love that, and that's why even the question I was kind of like, it it was never as much the fans who are obviously there to see Adam as for me, like you what you said, the misogyny where it's springing up back back in the recesses.
0: Yeah, there. I think there is this sort of old school belief system. Like Las Vegas, you know, or like the road is its own unique space. and everything that happens here is just what happens here and there's there's no place for anything else for eyes, I guess. So maybe you know, so maybe our experience hasn't been that strange because everybody in this band is a family guy. Mm-hmm. married kids, many of them we see all the time. We have barbecues together, like we spend a lot of time outside it. and the crew too, you know, most of our crew has been around for so long and and their family and it's really become over time like an extension of our lives you know you have your friends and your family at home and then you have this group of people that you're married to for a month or two
1: yeah i think being asked this question 14 or 15 years ago i would have been like it very i felt that maybe a little more intimidated a little more left out but i definitely to your point it's the same with taking Mex sunday camp and with they you you came up the word buncle and, we, I can't remember, we were, the kids were calling Andy their, um, Manny, like their man, <laughs> manager, Aunt Nanny, and, and, um, and the guys similar, I mean, we like vacation with that, with everyone, and, and the... I know, I see you guys all together all the time, going to the yeah, beach and doing yeah.
0: I think if you can make it through those, uh, kind of uncomfortable first few years, you talk about 14 years, like, lives changed so significantly in that time. You find the people you're with. And at the beginning, you know, they're like floating girlfriends in and out. Yes, you know, and I was true. one of them. Claude and I broke up and dated other people. <laughs> like, so then coming back into the folds, you have to kind of double prove yourself in some ways. And it's complicated and it's not all in the same breath.
1: I think in the end, like most things, it stems from how you feel, you know, like how you feel. And like your relationship with your band husband or whatever, you know. Is what it is. And and that's its own thing. It's its own nucleus, you know, and then your own sense of identity is also your own and no one can do, you know, in the end, no one can do anything to harm that or take away from who you are, because of, you know, how they treat you and it doesn't always feel good. And it doesn't mean that you're always like, oh, I love being here where people are ignoring me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, you just kind of work through that or, or just let it go. And hopefully, you know, and there were definitely times where I felt in the way, particularly really early on. And it probably was because I didn't know where to stand and I didn't know where to be. <laughs> I, was, I was surely in the way. Do you think that that early
0: sense of feeling like, whoa, I, I'm trying to find my place do you think that that was motivating to you to really find your identity and pursue the things that you knew you were capable of?
1: Oh, I love that question. Yeah. And I, th- and I think so for sure. And I think like feeling, you know, and it's like my own, in my own way, whether these people were, were trying to make me feel this way or not, I don't know. They might not have, they might've just been at work, you know, or they might've just been at a taken back Sunday show, but feeling first of all, like maybe who am I? And like, what do I have to offer? You know, cause seeing them go on every night and offer this amazing art, you know, is inspiring. And so I think it's partially was like, I want to do something. Well, I've always knew I wanted to write too. And so I was like, I just really need to do it. But also, yeah, just, I think the fact that, that he's worked so hard, Adam's worked so hard and, come this far has just been motivating and inspiring to me. And and at the beginning, when we first started dating, he felt so much older than me, which he yeah. doesn't feel that way anymore. But, you know, and so it was like also kind of like looking up to him in that way.
0: Yeah. Claude and I are five years apart, and I feel like I've learned so much from him. You know, as much as I give him, I'll give him a hard time all the time. Um, we joke about it all the time, but I, I really have learned a lot from him and watching him become a business person and become an artist uh, in every sense of the word, you know, and he's very brave in that he if he wants to do something, he's going to do it, whether he knows how to do it or not. And, and he's willing to make those mistakes and, and then say, OK, well, that was a very big, expensive fuck up, but I'm going to move to the next thing and I'm going to try to do it again and see if I can do it better the next time. I don't think people recognize how much courage it takes on a daily basis to put yourself out there in these situations, to feel weird, to feel uncomfortable, to feel exposed with your art and have people hate it or have people like pissed off or, or have a really, you know, polarizing opinion about it and then come back and do it again. And I I think that that's probably why you and I both feel at this point in our lives and our careers, that it doesn't matter because you've seen it not matter to people who keep doing it. And yeah, there's a lot to be said about that. I think showing up and, and being your authentic self in the face of people who don't care or do care in a really negative way, you, you start to find your people, right? You start to find your crowd because you're setting that tone. You're setting an example and I don't know that I ever recognized how much I was learning. You know, we really have grown together so much in that sense. And I I think like where we are now, it's when we walk into a convention or we walk into a signing, we feel very much like a partnership. It's really grown into something that, you know, that it didn't feel like for me at the beginning. And it was scary. I didn't want to take the Amory Wars project for that reason, because I felt like it was opening, it was opening me up to criticism and things I just couldn't deal with at the time. But you did it anyway. I did it anyway. Yeah. It's a good life lesson.
1: (laughs) No, I totally relate to what you said. And I think that's so true, like putting yourself out there. And then just when you get that critical feedback, I also didn't realize what that process was when I was watching Adam go through it early on because I'd never put myself out there. And now that I know, I realize that the toll it can take from you, but also beyond that, you know, what you said, it's like you just have to create. You're just making art. You're an artist. And so you're making art and then you're sharing it in the hopes that it might heal or help or connect or enrich or just at- contribute, you know, to the art that's already yeah. out there. If it doesn't for someone, it, it can hurt. And it, I've definitely been stung by negative criticism, but in the end, it's not for you. And that's fine. Or like if it's useful in any way, which often it depends because usually like that critical feedback is not rooted in a place that's meant to be like constructive. So yes. can, mostly like you can just kind of overlook it and keep making art, but it's like, yeah, is that going to stop you from creating in the end? Mm-hmm. Hopefully not. I don't know if, you know, there are probably some people that it does stop in their tracks and that's too bad. But hopefully it's just instills that like, oh, not everyone can love you. My therapist just told me that yesterday. <laughs> not everyone's gonna love you. And and that doesn't matter. You're just you just keep going and doing what you love and finding the people. Yeah.
0: And it shouldn't stop you from putting yourself in situations that you belong in. And that's every situation. If you wanna be there, you belong in that situation. Um just keep showing up and just shut those negative voices, in, most of them in your own head. Sometimes it's just you. Sometimes it's perceived and sometimes it's real, but it doesn't matter either
1: way. It's really all about the inner censor, in the end. That's who's going to stop you. Because nowadays, there's so many ways to share your work that it can't really be stopped. You might not get the New York Times... Page write up that you want, or you might not get like the certain publishing deal or whatever, but there are ways to share your art. What's going to stop you from doing that is this inner censor in the end, because I think people underestimate that power and that fear to stay small, to, you know, which it quote unquote keeps you safe from criticism, which it really does, but the criticism doesn't matter in the end, just like how people ignoring you. Potentially. It doesn't really matter in the end. You're still you, you know, you're still a valid human being no matter what. And if there is something to just keep showing up, like you said, when you just keep showing up then people are like, oh, she's here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and guess
0: what? They can leave the party if they want to. That's on them. We, we, we just keep doing the things we want to do and, and everybody around you will figure out what they want to do and find a way to be harmonious or not. And that's your choice. I don't think that anyone should
1: have to fight to be seen as a human being. <laughs> but here we are and and it's about the judgment too I've realized which is fine there are critics and and it's okay to to take something and synthesize it through your perspective and then like explain how you synthesized it and how you experienced it whether it fit positively or negatively fine but I think at some point that judgment becomes projecting
0: for sure and that hate becomes somebody's own personal form of creating you know you're not (laughs) doing anything else I say that all the time you know I used to get really frustrated about bad reviews or whatever like and I would just think to myself like this person isn't making anything you're not making anything you're waking up and you were choosing instead to go and do something and try something new just to hate on people and hate on the things that they love oh that's another thing a whole other conversation people hating things that other people love just to be come on let people have what they want if it's not hurting anybody and they like so who cares Just like stop shitting all over
1: things that make people happy um, yeah we live on like a, a complicated culture because in like to defend criticism all of a sudden now I'm playing the devil's advocate it's like <laughs> it's like it is useful in like the next step of art the next evolution the next you know like this is maybe isn't working, whatever that means artistically. And then like maybe kind of shaping and like maybe criticism does that. I don't even know, but it, but potentially, and I, you know, spent a lot of time in English classes criticized, you know, doing criticism, different types of like feminist criticism, remarks, criticism, you know? And so yes. that kind of like examining something through the lens of, I don't know if we've talked what we've like, we talked about a lot of conversations that aren't recorded, but we talked about some television shows that we don't like or, well, we talked about Euphoria. I don't know if that's on here, but like I don't want to watch teenagers or supposed teenagers have sex. You know, I yeah. don't want I don't understand why anyone would want to watch that. Have I ever like vocally criticized Euphoria? No. It I might someday <laughs> because it does, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you're saying and I agree
0: 100%. I cannot watch Euphoria for the exact same reason it freaks me out. But I but I'm like people people who like Euphoria you can have euphoria, knock yourself out, watch yeah. euphoria. I guess when it's coming from a place where instead of a constructive, hey, here's an idea, this would work better if you did A instead of B. I think it's when people are just, and music critics too, which I don't like this thing, and so it's bad. This it isn't something I would like, and so it's not valuable. It's not worthy. Yeah. I just don't understand that type of criticism. You're not bettering something. You're not giving tips. You're just being a hater.
1: Yeah, it kind of boggles my mind when you put it that way. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. It, yeah.
1: It. Also, don't review things you don't like.
0: Find somebody who enjoys them, and then they can look at it from a different point of view.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And this, on a small scale, I, I review a lot of books on Goodreads, and they're all four or five stars. And there's a lot of books I don't like that I don't review. Yeah. You know, that I'm like, okay, I don't necessarily read this genre. I tried it. It's not really my thing. I'm just not going to review it. That's what I do. It's not, it's not innately horrifying. I just didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Just like you said, we're not monsters. No <laughs> <laughs> one here is a monster. Oh, Nothing there to hate. There's
0: so many monsters out there. So mm-hmm. much vitriol.
1: So on, like, I don't know how we got here from there. but I don't either. But I, I do feel that we answered the question. <laughs> think that there was kind of a nod towards new band partners and how to deal with that. So I hope that we kind of helped in the sense that it's like, you know, your value and it's also kind of figuring out how to take your own value and keep it intact while not worrying about like other people who may just be introverts or may just be busy at work or may just Mm -hmm. be misogynistic. And then, you do not who cares what they think, you know, or all these different factors. But in the end, it's more about like, you know, your value and it's inherent. Yeah, it's try not to like internalize it so much. Yep, I like that. Not internalizing. Oh, that the Four Agreements book, which I feel like <laughs> I have to stop mentioning. But Are it's you like, finished oh, with it? oh, yeah, yeah, I finished, I finished pretty, it's uh, pretty slim, but there's a lot of good advice. And it was just like, don't take things personally. Yeah, and that's great, a great lesson that I could have learned earlier in that world, probably just for my own sake. Yeah. Another one is like, don't um, like do your best. Always do your best. So you're like not trying to cause problems for anyone else either. And so it's kind of like, you know, I know who I am. I'm going to step out of the way and just be good. Yes. But now I have to read it. It's good. I'm overdue. Yeah. There's four agreements. <laughs> I don't know. To me, uh, to some extent, I'm going to take things personally from some people. I'm going to take things personally sometimes because I want people to treat me like a precious objects. And that's (laughs) one of my mantras (laughs) because that's my boundary. And so I'm going to be like, I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel good. Well, my husband is
0: screwed now because I want to be treated like a precious object. So um, (laughs) you need to refer to the Minnesota. We talked about this, Um,
1: the fifth agreement. Yes. That's from the artist. So I actually, I didn't invent that one that Julia Cameron did. She said, treat yourself like a precious object. To become strong it sounds a little bit like um, oh, what are those like the Buddhist questions that the teacher would ask, and they were all like inverted. And that's why I love my Buddhist podcast. The way out is in. One of the my favorite.
0: I need to get in some more Zen podcasts and less murder and terror.
1: <laughs> well, there's so many good episodes. Joanna Macy episodes are always good, but there's one about relationships. Where the host has his wife. He, the host is not Buddhist, he, but he lives um, in Plum Village, which is Thich Nhat Hanh's monastery in France. And so he brought his wife on along with the, the new leader of that monastery, um, Fapu. And so they talk about relationships and it blew, blew my mind. So we covered the question and then some. I'm sensing a trend. <laughs>
0: so. You know, the audience are guiding these questions. So if there's something that you want to hear, something that you're wondering about it can be bandwife related it doesn't even have to be submit whatever you want and um maybe we'll pull it out and have a little chat
1: all right thanks for listening
0: we'll see you next time